Welcome everyone to the 78th episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. I'm Dan Kozell here with Nick Tartaglia. Nick, how's Montreal treating you, bud? <laughs> I feel like you're you're just poking that. You're like you're poking me with that that reality since you're not here and you're not as miserable as me when it comes to the weather. So you can kind of like poke at that topic, you know? I, I'm yeah, not so. trying to poke. I've been told that the snow is kind of melting. Yes, exactly. No, today was a nice day. Sunny day, warm. I'm sure knowing Ben, the guest who's on with us today, this guy loves to run. So this is like, oh, look at this. It's a joke today. I can run and it doesn't even affect me. Well, <laughs> so well, well, let's not steal the thunder yet, but like there's, a, <laughs> there's, there's some interesting stuff happening um, in natural gas right now. Mm-hmm. That's kind of piqued my eye. It's kind of selling off and like people are like, Wait a minute. Okay, does that mean winter's over? What's happening next? On a technical scale, it looks like natural gas could be on the way up soon. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It and then you've weird, got, you know? and then you've got gold, silver, just like bouncing. It's a good mm-hmm. trader's market to be in. But um, what we're gonna do today? This is gonna be a fun conversation because there's a lot happening in this space right now that nobody's really aware of. Everyone's yep. focused on AI right now, and don't get me wrong. I think AI is interesting. I'm I mean, we're using it for work tools and sales calls and pretty little, much anything. But Chat GP, uh, Chat G- yeah, Chat GPT and all that stuff. But like, that is another retail bubble waiting to explode. I think. Mm-hmm. And when these things do happen, I think we tend to forget that there are other asset classes that could do exceptionally well. So, um, we're gonna do a recap of Rick. Yeah, Jay Martin has been so gracious to have us. Uh, moderate and attend this event. Um, Jay, if you're listening, we appreciate you. Um, But we're going to do this with a fellow moderator and a fellow Montrealer um, who used to be an Olympic torchbearer. He's an athlete. He's a coach. uh, He's a kinesiologist specialist. um, And he wants to help people live their greatness. And he's got his own podcast. He's based in Montreal. Um, He's really into running in the snow when it's minus 40. I don't know how you do it, man. Like Ben Mummy, welcome to the New Gen Mindset Podcast, but you are an animal, my friend. <laughs> hey, brothers. Uh, really good to be here. Thanks for the intro. Um, minus 40 weather. There's no secret. Just <laughs> layer up and uh, embrace the Canadian side, I guess. Um, and also, yeah, big shout out to Jay Martin. What a great conference again, PRC yeah. uh, 2023. And all the value that he brings there, you know, to retail investors as well as speakers and, you know, connects that whole community. But uh, today is about, you know, you guys and kind of what you're doing. So I'm just, I'm happy to contribute and uh, and kind of share any opinion. Well, I, I think what we want to do here, um, and Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I did, I did have some notes that I took from the conference. Mm-hmm. I want to like, maybe kind of pick your brain, maybe Ben's brain. Cause I know that we, it was a quick trip this time relative to what it was last year for a lot of us. We were kind of just like in and out in like three days. But what do you guys feel like was the overarching theme that mainstream media is just not even talking about right now and that people need to pay attention to? Go, Ben. I'll let you start. Yeah, I think I think the main theme I got out, and I think Jay did a good job of kind of bringing out that theme out of a lot of the you know, top high quality, smart investors was how to play defense in a, in a market that's so turbulent. Right. Mm. And so wonky. And we kind of saw that last year where, where there's finally, you know, things going to crash, you know, like in terms of, you know, Bitcoin pulling back with all the hype, but 
that's just one example, um, you know, tech stocks. But uh, so now, now that that has happened, you know, um, and things are kind of shaky um, in terms of how do we play defense? How do we play smarter with our money? Right. Because it's in times like this where we want to, uh, we want to capitalize, but we also want to protect our wealth um, and to continue to build that war chest. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's, that's kind of like the main overall theme uh, that really stood out to me, but we could obviously dive further. And, and I'm curious to hear you guys, you know, what, what, what was your main, I guess, takeaway? Uh, I want to let Nick talk. Cause I've been talking over you. I'm sorry, buddy, but no, Jay no talked about it perfectly. He yeah. goes, uh, building a moat before you can mm-hmm. build an empire or a castle. Exactly. That was the opening of his conference. That's what yeah. he started with. Exactly. 100% agreed. It's your foundational layer. In the world of chaos and, and, and socioeconomic regression and political division that's expanding and military conflict and central banking problems and fiat you know, conflict, it's like, what, what do I need to do to ensure I build an infrastructure regardless of the chaos externally, in order to ensure that going back to our theme in general is how do I maintain my sovereignty? So in order to maintain your sovereignty, you have to build a, a base of wealth and a way to find sustainability in this world of chaos. And it was a conference of all kinds of minds and people from different perspectives and you know from commodities to macroeconomics to technical skills. But one common theme, regardless of it, was that you have to find a way to hedge yourself and not just hedge yourself against markets in general. It's hedging yourself against governments and hedging yourself against central banks. So why not find ways to emulate them or finding ways to be a contrarian to find a certain cycle or a certain theme in the market that you can play that's been neglected and and overlooked and and just unappealing for so long, which goes back to things like commodities and precious metals. Um so to me, and then the, the fact that you get to take that and then it's like, okay, the, the theme was far more developed also than last year. And then you look at how many more people were intrigued compared to last year. Although granted, you know, you could have some of the pandemic conditions still in it, but you know, people were far more intrigued this year than last year. And in general, if you, if you step outside of the conference, the, 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 those conversations are starting to pick up. Well, I would also say, I mean, what I thought was really interesting was just the turnout this year. Yeah. Like there were way more people. And I don't know if it's because of the seasonality, like May, when we did that the first time, I think people were kind of just like, it was warm. Like, I don't know, maybe people were just getting on vacation. January is kind of like that beginning of the year where people are trying to figure out, okay, what's my portfolio? What have I done in 2022 or in December? What's my year to date there? It's like, what am I doing to reallocate or reposition you know, into other sectors that I think are going to do exceptionally well, particularly in this, you know, the precious metals and the resource space. So I think the turnout was great. Um, I met way more people this mm-hmm. time. I don't know about you guys, but um, there was definitely more excitement, um, definitely more interaction. Um, the thing that I'm kind of just looking back on and just starting to realize maybe companies should potentially do a better job at is you know, talk to your company, talk about your company more in a storytelling way. Cause it felt like, and then we'll focus on the positive, but I think that was just like the one thing where it's like, we get those company presentations and people are just reading off like a PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really create that in- excitement or engagement, but the speaker lineup, like that made up for mm-hmm. a lot of that sort of dead time i would say or dead air in the moments of doing like workshops and whatnot 100 especially if you want to relate it back to the subject of how do you how do we create an appeal 
or kind of a crowd of millennials that are going to become more engaged with these subjects and this theme of investment. Well, companies, if they want to put out their story, they don't have, it's not the same thing as like, you know, Meta and, uh, and Instagram and Google and Microsoft and uh, AI companies with these beautiful stories. And it's all cool. You know, people are doing, when it comes to the space, you're dealing with the topics and subjects that people are very familiar with geography, uh, ge uh, geography, uh, agriculture and governments and central banking. It, it's a complex and difficult realm of subjects. So the story part would be much more to, a good way to create an understanding of the subject in a way that's more appealing and more um, fascinating for the younger guys. Because uh, the younger generation is driven by storytelling. Look at social media, look at branding. It's who has the best story, who has the best um, the best narrative that we can follow and be a part of. And so I agree with you, Dan, when you say that. Like they 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 need to go beyond just the technical points of how much grams of this and that. It's give us the story. What's the what what's give us the energy or the fire and under the investment thesis for your company. Ben, what did you think? Totally. Well, I, I was also gonna add to that too, you know, kind of like you guys had mentioned, there was a lot, a lot of, you know, corporate presentations and you know, especially if you're someone that's new to the space, you know, they all sound the same. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, how do you stand out? And, you know, it, it could be through storytelling, kind of like Dan said, but I think also how do you make that emotional connection, you know, with all the retail investors, but also education. Right. And mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that you don't really see in many of them is there's actually some, you know, high quality companies, whether it's a mining company uh, in terms of a major or a minor, but they're not really explaining whether, you know, they have the goods or not in the ground. And, and that's already a huge thing. And, and there were some really high quality companies that I thought, uh, you know, could have did a better job at, at kind of, you know, educating, right? Because not everyone in there is a geologist and not everyone in there, um, you know, maybe has been in the space for a while. And kind of like you boys had said, you know, there's there's been tremendous growth in Jay's conference. So shout out again to his team, because I think it was three times the amount compared to the year before. Um, but on a positive note, kind of like you guys said, um, all the all the keynote speakers was great. And even in terms of, um, let's say, analysts out there, those are great individuals that if, if you were kind of lost in some of those corporate presentations, go to the top analysts from the space that are there to learn more about them. Because I think they did the best job at kind of educating. And who in your, and who in, uh, well, because, so just to give a background context here, us three were moderators at the free conference. So the purpose of the, of us being moderators was that we were supposed to run a specific room that had a certain amount of guest speakers and a certain amount of corporate presentations. So we got to see the crowd in relation to the different speakers, the different companies. So going back to you, Ben, like who were some of the people that you had in room and who do you think was some of the most fascinating ones? Yeah. Um, well, I was in two uh, different spots. Uh, so the first we day, swapped, we swapped, mm -hmm. yeah. day, but it's fine. Yeah. So, so day one, I was on like the Yukon invest Yukon, which for those that weren't at the conference, pretty much uh, it's all like the Yukon kind of mining companies or analysts or speakers. Um, so maybe, so even though there's maybe some personal bias there, um, it is really cool because it's hyper-focused on that area and they are doing a lot, you know, for Canada in, in like the mining space. Um, so it also is an opportunity, but it's, it's obviously hyper-focused. Um, and so one of the ones that really stood out to me, um, and this is not investment advice or anything, but is Snowline Gold, because, you know, they've had such an incredible year as, as a junior company, 
in terms of, you know, all their results. Um, so that was in terms of like a junior company that stood out, but then there was also, um, you know, some great panelist discussions that also happened there as well. And, uh, so, um, yeah, like it, it, like in terms of that, that was kind of day one for me, but like I said, it was more hyper-focused and then day two, um, was kind of different. Um, two panelists conversations that caught my eye. One of them was, uh, on uranium. So that was cool to have, you know, Rick rule there and, and, uh, and, and, and some other experts, um, but the biggest thing there that caught my eye was just hearing different opinions because you had, you know, people that are kind of really bullish right now and kind of the short and the long term. But then you had a couple of other individuals that were kind of um, against it currently right now. So that was that was a really good panelist discussion by Jesse Day. Um, but I want to toss it to you guys. What about your stages? How to go for you guys? I had a, my the first day was really fascinating because it really brought in different uh, thought leaders in my group. Um, like the presentations, interestingly enough, like these are some companies that I had done my research on. So it was kind of getting like a breath of fresh air. Instead of reading a presentation, I was actually listening directly from the CEOs or like the, the VPs or whatever it was. So it was cool. Like, do you get different perspectives? But again, like they all kind of sound the same. That's like the one thing that they just got to figure out what I think is just a mining investor resource, uh, problem, right? Because in other groups or other conferences, I'm sure you can get creative with that stuff. Um, there was one pre presenter who I was just like totally blown away. And I was just like, she should automatically just win like the best presenter. And her name was uh, Lynette Zhang. And I can't mm -hmm. wait to have her on Nick because she runs this company called uh, ITM Trading. Um, I think she's the, uh, the co-founder, if I'm not mistaken. And Lynette, if you're listening, I apologize, but we'll make sure that we get that right next time. Um, she came on and talked about gold as an asset and owning physical gold coins to be your own central bank. But it was just the way she started her presentation. She got up to the front. I didn't even see that she had this little money gun in her pocket, just walked up the <laughs> stage and started does everybody see what the Fed is doing to your money right now? Just blew it. And that like, it was the whole, like it was packed. And I had such a great honor of just like introducing her. And I go, Lynette, like, look at all your fans here. Like, this is a big deal. You've influenced a lot of people in the most positive way. Right. So she talked about like owning gold, owning farmland. She has her own farm, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so it's always cool. It's like a breath of fresh air sometimes to hear somebody different who's really been doing this for, you know, well, well, longer than we have. But um, no, she, to me personally, like I thought that was the best presenter. Um, Rick Rule, I mean, you can't go wrong with Rick. He's always on the ball. Um, I had Lobo Tigre uh, in my room. He's always got a way of explaining things that I find is very simplistic, but also does it in a way that makes you realize, holy crap, there's a serious problem with the Fed uh, and everything that's going on. So Listen, Lynette Zhang, I mean, by far one of the best presentations I've seen. Uh, I wish I would, would have videotaped the whole thing, but I guess we'll have to find it on YouTube. Uh, thanks, Jay. And there's also who had, um, I know Economic Ninja was there. And who had, who, who, who saw, who, which conference room got to see him? None of us, eh? I don't think uh, I did, but he was, was one of the, uh, 
he, he was one of those guys, another guy that we can't wait to have on mm. uh, that just gets it. And he's not afraid to speak his mind too, which has been fantastic. So yeah, um, he came out of nowhere, you know, fascinating guy. We got to talk to him separately outside of that. I guess he was probably in uh, Kenny and Kyle's room. And uh, yeah, that was a interesting person. I just talked to him outside. Just curious because he was new. There was also Mark Moss, which I got to see in my conference room. He was another new guy this year, more macro driven. And, you know, in relation to parallel economies and macroeconomics, but he was another fascinating one, drew a huge crowd, and he's very engaging when he talks. People want to listen. Um, there's also Chen Lin. He's an interesting guy because he gets a different perspective. and He's more of a Chinese market guy. He understands more of the Chinese side of the Asian markets. What so- is Chen buying? it's silver and gold yeah <laughs> him too it's the same thing it's the premise is look what the look what the chinese market is doing look what the central banks are doing you know it's, it's you're emulating uh certain behaviors and and patterns just to hedge yourself against those certain conditions um uh, who else did i have i know it's, i had gwen from um preston resource maven yeah, exactly who's uh partners with uh peter kraut another f- interesting interesting lady she's a good presenter too highlights some great points more from a geology and mining standpoint um and yeah i that's those are definitely the two that most stood out or at least that i can reflect on right now that kind of stood out there's some other people that were there but they didn't have the same stage presence or um, they didn't draw the same type of crowd or their 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 presentations were too dry and it didn't seem to attract the attention of people very well. But uh, you know, that's where the learning curve is for some of these people. I think, and, yeah, no, I was going to say um, there was um, a different tone this year as well. Um but I think uranium was kind of that one other one that was just standing out. So more so than last year. Yeah. But the question now becomes as a contrarian, do you look at uranium as being bullish for the next year? Or are you kind of like taking your chips off the table? You know, because there were, I think there were 25 uranium companies, if I'm not mistaken, this time around, there was probably one or two last year. Yeah. Uh, well, look, if we're going to talk about the, our, our timeframe thesis on uranium, I'm long-term just because I, I'm not really a believer of this whole green renewable transition or of it being effective or or productive to the extent that they claim that it'll be. And that whole kind of catastrophe that might come of it or will most likely come of it is going to require a, a simpler, uh, reliable source of energy that we know works, that that people are just not admitting it yet because it's just, so there's this whole s- negative uh, um, stigma around it or this political narrative around it which is uranium so i'm playing that long game on that side for sure ben what do you think i own one uranium stock it's called uh dennis denison mines that's about it but there's some other good ones that have taken off there's govx there's uh, standard uranium there's the ura which is the uranium index fund um there's a one other i have i forget I, I, i was looking at this one small cap uh, it's called F3 Uranium Corp. It yeah, literally, it literally popped for the conference. Obviously, it's probably on a downtrend now. But anyway, I haven't done, I haven't done my due diligence since I bought Denison Mine. So Van, I don't know what what do you what do you think? Yeah, no, I'm I'm bullish. Um, in terms of my time, you know, I'm you know I'm I'm in it for the long term right now. Um, but if you look at what's happened, sometimes people forget, like a lot of investors sometimes forget, you know, um, about like the long-term 
you know, time frame that you have to hold because in the last two years, you know, so much has changed, right? Like mm-hmm. about a year ago was like when Sprott, you know, brought to the market, you know, a product for uranium, right? Um, and now they just brought one for battery, sorry, battery metals, right? So we sometimes forget, you know, all the all the all the moves that have been made already in the last two years for uranium and, and all the countries that are supporting it now, you know, like even a couple months ago, Germany, right? Like all these aspects of support, you know, for that type of um, commodity, right? So for me, it's, you know, nothing has gotten worse. Things are only getting better. Mm-hmm. So if things are getting better and, you know, you've been believing in the thesis for a while, you know, um, you just have to be patient, right? Yeah. So I'm bullish, but I'm patient. Um, I think I did like that panel there with Fabi and Rick Rule and mm-hmm. and hearing all the different opinions because some of them were bullish short and long and some of them were bullish uh, long, but not short. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't, I'm not the professional to say, hey, is it going to happen short or or later? But I can say I, I'm pretty bullish on on the thesis playing out, and I think we're already on the right track. So let me let me put this out as a question to both of you, or whoever can answer. Um, if we take the uranium thesis and we say, okay, we're not short, well, we're going to be short. Oh well, we're not. We don't see the upside in the short term, but we see it in the long term. If we say that, why do we say that specific? Why would we argue that one? Do you think it's a political reason that we're think- not? I, I think it's more everything takes time to play out, you know, for any thesis, whether it's silver, whether it's gold, whether it's uranium. Um, now, in history, it happens that, you know, with silver and uranium, you know, like the markets are, are so small as well as there's less companies, you know, to choose from mm-hmm. that when it when it plays out, it explodes, right? It rips. Mm-hmm. Or as Rick Rule always says for uranium's case, you know, when the, when the supply demand, you know, kicks into play, when the lights go out and people are desperate, um, you know, it's going to rip. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I'm bullish and I've held my positions that I got into since 2019 and that hasn't changed. And, uh, and I'm just continuing to do as much due diligence, you know, so I'm in about eight companies that I've done my research on. And I think anyone tuning in, you know, just because, you know, you're hearing right now that we're bullish, you know, question that and, and kind of mm-hmm. take your time to, to understand it. And, uh, and, and that actually makes me think of, I think, one of the most valuable panel presentations that I heard at the conference was between Jay Martin, Frank Giestra, and Grant Williams when they were talking about where's the smart money going in 2023. So I'm curious, like, I have some opinions about that, but I'm curious to toss your way, boys. Um, what did you think of that one? Remind me of the name of the panel. It was where will the smart money go in 2023? Frank Jutra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was okay. Now I remember that panel. Yes, yes. Um, so Frank was very conservative. I remember he was like, I'm like treasury bonds, but like short term and then rolling those over. Yeah. By the way, that's another thing I wanted to talk about was instead of leaving cash mm-hmm. in the bank account. You should just take that cash, put it into like, I don't know, a TFSA or non-registered so you can go in and out, in and out, in and out, and just like roll into, you know, three month or six Mm -hmm. month or 12 month treasury bonds, because every time that vests, 
you've not only gotten the interest, you've gotten the print. Anybody can do this, by the way. Literally anybody can do this. That's what's so great about it. And it's guaranteed. And it's, yeah, quote, guaranteed. Although, you know, we do like to hold on to to gold and silver uh, for for, to be your own central bank. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about. We'll talk about him shortly. But he has been a gold and silver animal bug since inception, since he made his first uh, hit, I think, on one of his mining deals back when he, because I remember him telling a story. He's like, yeah, my first ever successful mining deal was in Vancouver. That's why I love coming back here. So mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. But I think it's, you know, right now, the smart money is either going into AI, pumping it up really high because that's the game that they play, or they're not necessarily, they're they're in bonds. I don't see anybody taking more risk in this market like we're seeing it with retailers now like bed bath and beyond file for bankruptcy party city file for bankruptcy i can go on and on i'm sure there's some canadian retails that are going out like we'll see what happens there but in terms of you know the overall market of smart money i think they're all just sitting on their laurels and just buying bonds yeah you know and that's going to continue at least for another couple months here Especially but while there's a lot of uncertainty still yeah, I think so too. And like, you just have to look at what the banks are doing as well. Not watch what they say, watch what they're doing. Um, and they're pretty much doing the same thing. Now, uh, I don't know when this thing's going to collapse. The question is, nobody does, right? It's a matter of, are you in a good position to be somewhat liquid and flexible when those opportunities are going to come? Because they are going to happen again. You know what I'm saying? So gold miners, the gold miners are trading at an inflection point. I mean, Tabby's had some good charts that showcase that where it's like, we're at just, we haven't even begun the cycle yet, Mm -hmm. which was pretty interesting. And, you know, all it takes is gold to go above 2,500 this decade. And we're not going below that for the rest of our lives. I don't think. You know, but that's going to take, that's going to take some time. And I don't know if I'm quoting Rick rule here, but like, if you're, if you're going to be in this space, you better be solvent enough to withstand like significant pressure or else you might as well just like sell, you might as well just sell everything and not be part of it. Cause it requires a very uh, specific type of patience to, 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 to be in this sector, to be in this space at times. That's what I think. So I'm, I'm mainly right now I'm in. I, I've got bonds, I've got gold, I've got silver, I've got uranium, I've got some tech names, but they're small cap. You have copper. I have some copper. You know, I've got this one exploration company out in Ontario that I, you know, I think if they hit, it's gonna boom. But you know, it's it's a down position right now. Like it's not one of those things where you're like in and out, in and out. So that's what I think, at least. I don't know if that was rambling too much there, boys. No, no, no. And you Ben, what which are your favorite commodities? Or did, did you get into any new ones since the conference? No, no, I haven't gotten into a new one, but I would say my favorite ones right now is obviously gold, right? Just to preserve, to protect all that stuff. I also think you guys just kind of nailed it there, even with Tabby and, and other analysts that are, are showcasing how much it's been unloved, you know, um, and how, you know, if you have had the conviction, you know, and you have had been patient that when there's been these kind of pullbacks right now, I'm not talking about the short term, but 
to take advantage of for the long term, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's pretty pretty generous. And there's a quote by Rick Rule that he he says often is, you know, if if you see something that you really like that's high value, that's you know seventy percent off, and it hasn't lost value, like, what? Why why would you not buy more of it? Why would you not be happy and and think that this is such a such a generous opportunity, right? So. Uh, for me, I've just kind of held, held my, 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 uh, positions and, you know, slightly added, you know, if, if things have pulled back, but currently right now I've just been kind of, um, yeah, just, just re- really big on gold, really big on silver. Cause I think mm-hmm. silver always follows, right. Always follows gold and it always explodes. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the fascinating part for silver for me is the alpha story. When, if that thing goes, silver goes to 50 bucks, if it breaks 50, and it goes to a hundred. It's like, how explosive can the mining space in relation to anyone with assets in silver? Like, wow! Imagine silver gold at twenty five hundred, silver at thirty five fifty bucks. That and a lot of the thing is a lot of these mining companies. They're not just silver. Some of them have gold, silver, copper, and other stuff with it. If your entire base asset is all just the value of your base asset goes up exponentially like that. It's like, wow, the multiple and the alphas of these companies could just fly. And I don't think there's any opportunities like that in the market other than there, potentially to an extent AI, certain little whatever. But again, that to me is more like a little cycle phase, whereas the resource and commodity space, it's 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 a, a, it's a space that's been uninvested for a long time and neglected and and just undesired, especially from a younger generation point. So it's just, there's just such a huge gap opportunity in this space. And we know governments want to spend their money in it. So it's like, you can't, we can't, who cares if we say, well, the market itself is not doing it. Well, the governments are spending, willing to spend trillions of dollars towards this transition. Whether the transition is effective or not, is irrelevant to the issue of, will prices need to go up to satisfy the demand side of this whole narrative? Absolutely. Or else there's no way you got to compete for the, for the resources and it's limited and finite. And uh, for some of these mines to even remotely satisfy, we were looking at a thousand, two thousand, three thousand percent more supply. Well, so imagine the upside value and prices on that. Totally. And I, I also want to add to like, uh, you know, you guys were asking all, all the ones that I like, you know, I also like copper as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, there's some different but similar fundamentals where all, all of them cross over, right? With the green revolution, kind of what's going on and and how much kind of like Nick just said, you know, how much are our governments supporting that, you know, that, that root of where we're trying to go. Um, and as well as, you know, other things of like the battery metals and, uh, you know, like lithium and all that stuff, right. If we look at where some companies are going as well, right. Like Tesla, right. These leading world-class companies in the space. And and that's why I found it really fascinating, something that I'm not invested in, but it got me, uh, intrigued to learn more about is I obviously believe, you know, in, in the battery metals. Um, but Sprott has recently, you know, brought out. Uh, you know, a, a new trust, right? Um, where it I has didn't know to- that, by the way. So wait, so tell us about a specific on this new trust. It's explain it. Well, I, like I just said, right, I'm trying to learn more about it, but it, it, it got launched last week. So now I'm curious to look at, okay, okay what's what's in this trust? Where are all the things? Because um, I think that's incredible. But that's obviously, again, they're obviously positioning for what's coming, right? Just what like what happened last year at Urania, right? So, so that's, that's the other thing that's caught my mind where I am invested in some of those. 
uh, but not in terms of a batch, you know, and, and that's a great way. Of, if someone's listening right now, that's, that wants to, you know, be more uh, conservative, that's a good thing to look into, you know, and kind of learn about it and, and see if that's a good fit for you. So let's bring this back to um, the value of the conference, so especially from the younger generations who need to start learning some of these things. What, what benefit do you see in these conferences for people? Whoever, you know, I, 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 I would just say it's like, be curious, you know, like you're, you're not going to know what's out there unless you like take a deep dive. Now this conference in particular, I mean, there's a huge, to your point, like, there's a huge gap between young people and people who have been in it forever. Right. And I think that's kind of been sort of the turnoff for a lot of people our age. Cause they're just like, why would I go to a conference where it's just a bunch of older people talking about rocks and resources and stuff like that? And I'm like, probably because you use your iPhone or your laptop to get stuff done. And that has to come from somewhere. It's not just going to appear overnight. So that's what keeps me coming back to these things, apart from obviously Jay wanting us to be there and making, uh, you know, expanding the Rolodex of potential people for possible deal flow later on. I mean, that's just what it is. But I think it's, you got to look at it as like, you know, an opportunity to, to just go in and just like, pretend like you don't know anything, mm -hmm. leave your ego at the door type of thing. Just be a sponge. Just be a sponge. Yeah. Like talk to as many people as you can. Not everyone's going to talk to you. You know, people are going to look at you funny too sometimes and just be like, I don't, I don't want to talk to this person. It's like, okay, fine. That's fine. There's like 700 other people that I could talk to. Mm -hmm. That's just conferences in general. It's always like that. Right. So you know, for me, it's just like building the network, meeting more people, and then figuring out one or two things that I didn't know before I got there and then applying it to like my investment strategy. I just want to make a quick comment though about uh, Robert Kiyosaki for a guy who is so well known in the world, um, probably one of the most down to earth people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. um, and that just shows you the type of person that he is. Like people who are that well known do not like they won't give you their time of day, if that makes sense. Like he just, we hung out with him mm -hmm. as if he was like a friend or a guy that we have known for forever, really. And it was just interesting to hear him sort of share his philosophy on like investing. And like, there's a lot of similarities, I think, between the way the three of us think and, mm -hmm. and the way he thinks, but he's just been doing this longer than we have. So I think the, 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 the last takeaway is like, you never know who you're going to meet there, mm -hmm. right? You show up, it's like, oh my God. I just met Robert Kiyosaki. How great is that? Mm -hmm. You know exactly. Yeah, and and also to add to, I, I I know we already brought up his name, and obviously at the conference it it always stands out because he he literally is everywhere. But obviously Rick Rule too is <laughs> totally someone like I was seeing this like I got back from the conference and I had some friends asking me about it and highlights, and obviously I brought up Kiyosaki just like you and you know, some other names like Grant Williams. I just, I love the way he thinks. I love mm -hmm. the way he adds value to, to discussions. But the thing about Rick that I find stands out that I saw last year, and then this year I saw it to a whole nother degree is unless he's not moving to an interview or he has to be somewhere, he will literally stay. Like I was moderating, um, I think on floor two or, and, uh, and he literally stayed, I think, for an hour and a half after his presentation, just talking to anyone and everyone. 
And you saw all these investors from, you know, someone in his 80s to someone like literally maybe 21, like a young buck. And he had no rush where to go. And just seeing how generous he is on stage, all the panels, if, if, if a presentation fails and they need, you know, another speaker, he volunteers if he's available. He's getting interviewed by all these media companies. Um, like this guy's a legend, right? He's so generous with his time and his wisdom. So I want to also uh, highlight Rick. The space needs people like him. <laughs> There's no, it's, it's somebody to look for. It's someone to listen to. It's someone you can say, you want to learn, just go listen to a bunch of Rick Rule conversations. And whether you're looking at gold, silver, central banking, macroeconomics, whether you're looking at farming, uranium, you can cover a wide spectrum of topics by listening to him. He's talking to so many people. You can go to the Hidden Secret, the 10 part series by Mike Malone, which is partners with, um, what's his name? Gold, silver. Um... Gold, silver pros. Yeah. What's the, who's the other guy there? I forget his name. Jeff Clark. Uh, Jeff Clark. So he's one of his partners with Mike Malone. He has a 10 part series called the, the hidden secrets of money. You know, Rick rules in there. David Morgan's in there. Um, there's a couple other guys we know. I forget their names. not coming to my head, but you know, you go, you you're just, they're everywhere. If you go to the right places, you and you can learn so much. These conferences are fascinating because everybody wants to learn. And here we're going to bring, I'm going to, I wanted to bring this back. The thing is how you discover the mining space. Cause for me, it was like these conferences in Montreal, but the thing is the beginning, I knew nothing about the subject. Nothing whatsoever, but it didn't. It's not that I looked at it as I was afraid of it. I just said, okay, I don't know it. I'm just going to keep attending these conferences every time I, ch every chance I can. And I'm just going to listen and ask a ton of questions. And then through that little development process, I became more comfortable in developing my own thesis and, and what to look for and, you know, the subject and how to narrow in on a specific company or a mining issue. And it, it, it's such a fascinating ecosystem once you get into it because you can't just talk about the rock. You got to talk about how it gets out of the ground. Then you got to talk about the, the the regulatory process. You got to talk about the central banking, the cost, uh, uh, the development of the world from an electrical standpoint, the, the energy infrastructure. It, it relates to everything after. So it's so such a fascinating ecosystem. So young people that want to learn and want to you know, get more into understanding macro and stuff like you can get into macro just by coming into the space because it intertwines itself so much. I, I would, I would echo that like a hundred times. Um, and again, like Rick rule, just, he's somebody that takes his time out of his day just to, you know, mentor people. Like I, I Ben, to your point, I was walking back to like one of the workshops that I was supposed to be like, you know, speaking at, and then I walk by and there's like this huge crowd and I'm like, that's definitely Rick. Just, just talking, talking it up. And he was there just like, you know, giving people advice. So it's one of those events where I think you get really intimate with the speakers um, and you can ask them anything and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take the time to answer you at least, at least most of them will. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if people know this, but I, I just want to add one little piece on Rick rule, but he had mentors in his life that were very generous with him. And one of them is Peter Kundal, who I, who I recommend people Google him up and, and uh, you know, kind of see his work and, and his writing and all that stuff. And I learned about that from when I interviewed Rick on my podcast, I was curious to ask him, you know, what inspired him about the space and learn. And he said when he was, you know, in the restaurant industry, that's who came to his restaurant, which, which was a, a man named Peter Kundal who has such a, such a high reputation in the investing world who really mentored him, right? So there he is passing on like the torch to anyone and everyone. So if you ever go to a conference and you see 
Rick Rule there, just don't hesitate to go chat with him, reach out. He's the most humble, friendly, giant man that you'll ever meet. Just to give just to give context to that, he has his own website where he'll let you upload or share with him your top 10 mining companies and he'll rate them one to 10 for you and even give you a little thesis behind the the reasoning like he 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 wants you to learn he wants you to thrive and he wants to share the the information of the space with people from a millennial standpoint for younger generation like that's a gift it's someone who's willing to give you information there's only there's only good to come of that i know we're probably getting into like the long part of this segment or this podcast but um next year same time same place apparently so if those are listing no matter where you're from again get on a plane fly to vancouver spend two to three days there it's warm in the winter it's not too bad you know ben was like itching to go outside in the mornings right you know but it was actually a lot warmer when he went for a run so it was like five degrees so it was a little bearable but um jokes aside i think it's just one of those events that's so under the radar that like it just makes it even that much more valuable because when the market does you know unfortunately do what it's supposed to do um there's a lot of names here that are going to do really well and you're going to be there when or you're you're going to look back and say hey I bought this name or I invested in this resource and I actually did really well while the rest of the market was in oblivion. So again, it's not a doom and gloom message. It's more mm-hmm. just for people to understand that um, whatever is being put out there on the mainstream is not in the best interest of the public. I'll just mm-hmm. say that bluntly. <laughs> and and that's know, always been like my investment thesis or philosophy. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. Well, all I want to say was a little side thing to your um, was um, like the young people, you know, we, we think so much about vacation and being free and then up. But it's like sometimes you got to realize, you know, ignore the whole thought of vacation, spending money for that, because at the end of the day, it's just a, a small little period of time to just get out, escape to come right back to the reality. Instead, you know, consider the thought that you should allocate vacation money towards going to traveling to specific conferences where you also getting a learning process out of it. You get something for your sovereignty and your wealth from these conferences. So you can consider this vacation, but for learning purpose, you know, redirect capital, especially in a world where money's becoming more and more difficult to hold on to. If you're going to allocate it, start allocating towards things that you know are going to benefit you in the long term and allow you to grow. Yeah. Ben, ben any last thoughts thing? you want to? Yeah. yeah, I think I think one last thought. Um, it's something that um I think is extremely valuable, and it was from one of the you know panel presentations from VRIC, and it was when Grant Williams was talking about what he's doing right now in terms of his smart money and how he is playing defense in this market. You know, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is sometimes people are so urgent or so impulsive that they have to make a decision right away, like today, you know, mm-hmm. or tomorrow or within the week. But I think the biggest thing is what you could learn to do, you know, if you're new right now listening, or even if you're not new is, you know, there's buying and selling for sure in, in like the investing world, but there's also sometimes just waiting, you know, waiting in terms of maybe getting a little bit more educated before you deploy um, and, and make a move. So you don't always have to rush today 
But I think the biggest thing that you should be rushing is definitely like you're learning, being a continuous learner, definitely showing up to these conferences, definitely in every way, listening to podcasts like this to educate yourself, but don't feel that you have to go from zero to hero in one day. Um, So I think my main last message here is continuously learning and using that high valuable, you know, self-learned self-growth to deploy to, you know, protecting like your, 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 your personal wealth and how, how are you going to do that? You know? No, you're not, you're not, you're not going to become wealthy overnight. And that's the other key. So you got to be patient with that. I think that's, I think that's what you're, you mean, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, guys. Anybody listening, please join us in Vrick, the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference next year. We'll be there uh, yeah. again, most probably. I'm 99% sure we'll, three of us will all be there again. Um, but yeah, check out Ben's podcast, Living Your Greatness. Um, it's very interesting. He's had some uh, resource people in there, but you've also had some other, before we hop off, like tell us just a little bit more. Uh, about your pod or your podcast, I should say, sound, sound like spitting chiclets over here. Um, <laughs> tell, tell me, tell, tell, tell the audience just a little bit more about that particular podcast. Yeah, no, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. So it's, it's living your greatness. And the whole idea is, you know, to unpack how people have mastered their craft and what they do. Right. And I really think in life, you know, if you are living a, a great life, you could also live a a bad life one day, right? But I think if you're doing your best to be financially fit, emotionally fit, physically fit, all those areas, I try and bring on people that have mastered their craft in those areas. So kind of like Dan said, you know, I've had someone like Rick Ruan, who, you know, is definitely the master in his craft of what he does in like the messing world. And I try and ask some really unique questions of not only how they got there, but even questions that I feel that they haven't been asked yet to add value to people for decisions in their life because a lot of our daily decisions really impact our life. Right. Um, so it, so it really ranges from, you know, let's say some world-class investors to then let's say some best-selling authors to then some Olympians. So there's a, a huge variety of individuals. Um, but yeah, no, highly check it out. And uh, if you have any questions do never hesitate to reach out. Awesome. And everybody listening, I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, take a look at uh, our website too, newgenmindset.com. We're writing newsletters as well to our audience. Uh, Nick's been writing a lot more than I have, so I got to step up my game. But listen, at the end of the day, this is a long-term game. And this is one of those events that I think many people should start paying attention to, uh, especially if it's a free event, right? Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll see you next time, guys, on the New Gen Mindset Podcast. Ben, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. We'll uh, we'll catch up uh, very soon here. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, boys. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>